female in technology looking to reach the VP level and beyond? Join me, Lisa Kostova, and guests for honest and real tips, strategies, and conversation to accelerate and most importantly, enjoy your career climb today. Hey guys, Lisa Kostova here. Welcome to another episode of the Female Tech Exec. Today, I wanted to share with you some exciting piece of research that I found from reading a really cool book, I will mention it in a second, that truly underlies or explains the effectiveness of one of the keys in my career climb framework. For those of you guys who are new, I have a five-part career climb framework that I have personally used to climb to the VP level in my own career. And now dozens of women have used in our programs to help them get promotions, um, negotiate raises, and in general, become more effective and more visible in their own careers in tech. And that career climb framework has five pieces. The second piece, the L, is lead, don't be liked. Lead, don't be liked. It has been a very controversial key, and a lot of women have been uncomfortable discussing their need to be liked at work with us in our programs, but have really gotten, a lot of our clients have really gotten through a lot of breakthroughs in this specific area around detaching themselves from the need to be liked, and also not taking things personally. And I think that a lot of what holds women back, especially earlier on in their careers, because once women figure that out, it really, really doesn't come back, I think, in more senior levels. But it's a huge potential block. It's a huge potential hurdle earlier on in your career. And that is the need to be liked and not risking, not wanting to risk people disapproving of you or not liking you in order to disagree with them or disagree with something or say no or refuse to accomplish something, refuse to work on on something, right? And that leads to overwhelm because women just take on everything that comes their way. Not being able to say no is a huge, huge problem. Because when your plate is overflowing, it's really overflowing with a lot of noisy things. And if you haven't challenged the work that is landing on your plate, if you haven't fully vetted it and understood why it's deserving of your time, why is it coming to you, why it's worth for you to work on this versus something else, then you'll end up with a lot of junk on your workplace that takes up all of your time, depletes your energy, and doesn't leave you any room to strategize or work on more important and less urgent items. So this whole attachment to being liked and uh, fearing being disliked um, is the root cause of a lot of overwhelm and the root cause of a lot of career stalling, especially in the earlier stages of your career. So I have been um, developing this key as part of my framework through my own experience and through the experience of people I've managed and through now the experience of my clients. And we know that it works. We know that the key is to distinguish between your ideas and yourself as a person and to realize 
like I believe a lot of guys do naturally, that you can disagree with someone without being disagreeable. You can disagree with someone's ideas while still respecting them as a person. And when people also disagree with your ideas, they could very well love and respect you as a person as well. The two don't have to do with each other. I think that is the biggest challenge around utilizing that key of the framework, really getting it, is distinguishing between yourself as a person and your ideas that can be debated. This way, you don't get attached to your ideas in a way that when your ideas are challenged or not taken up, you are fine because it doesn't really ding your confidence. It doesn't really uh, ding your self-worth, your own image of who you are and what you're capable of. And also conversely, when your ideas work out and they're taken up, you don't get an inflated sense of ego. You are able to keep a more even keel. This allows you to debate openly and to really engage in debate from an open position and not a defensive position. And that is truly key for being known as a thought leader, as somebody who is willing and capable and actually enjoys engaging in conflict. Yeah. So imagine my excitement when recently, as I was reading Adam Grant's new book, Think Again, and that book is The Power of Knowing What You Don't Know is the subtitle. So I really enjoy Adam Grant. I enjoy Daniel Pink. I enjoy Malcolm Gladwell. You know, I enjoy all of these writers who are taking their academic research and making it actionable and relevant for everyday use and for use in business and for use in the workplace and for use in life in general. And one of the principles that Adam Grant discusses in the book, Think Again, is the distinction between what he calls personality conflict and the term that he uses is task conflict for the other type of conflict. So he makes a distinction between task conflict and personality conflict. And that is a very, very useful distinction. Because it really talks about our ideas and our thoughts as being separate from who we are, the people that we are, our personality and our strengths and weaknesses and our own worth. And furthermore, he shares that based on multiple studies and research that he and other academics have done, There is a direct correlation between task conflict and productivity and effectiveness in an organization. So they find, those researchers find that in companies where the predominant conflict nature is one of personality conflicts, they see a lot of inefficiencies, a lot of attrition, a lot of just misery there and not being able to accomplish results, not having, not having success. Whereas in companies where they actually see intentional task conflict and a furthering and encouragement of task conflict, then they see that correlated very strongly with success, results, effectiveness of the company just general economic and product success. 
So I was really excited to read that because finally I had actual research to back up something that I had observed many times before in my own career, in my own, all over the workplace for women um, who I've worked with, who have reported to me, as well as for now my clients. I am now able to back this up with the research and I'm super excited about it. And the reason I want you guys to truly understand this distinction between the types of conflict is because I want you as a woman in tech to start getting excited about engaging in task conflict. So task conflict is a debate. It's a debate on ideas, on different approaches, or how we should solve this, or what to do about this problem, or what what to build in the product next. These are ideas, these have all merits and drawbacks to them. And it is so, so, so important, not just for the success of your products, but also for the establishment of your reputation as a strong leader, as a thought leader, to be able to constantly and consistently engage with courage and conviction and just playful attitude and sportsmanship in task conflict conversations. These are debates. So, you know, you, you telegraph to others when some, when you're debating on a task level versus personality level, when you are, when you're just open to different ideas, when you're open to changing your mind, when you're not showing an emotional attachment to your idea, when you're not being defensive, but in, but when you're being enthusiastic and open about debating this idea, and you're openly soliciting feedback and different ideas and debate, right? That is really, really attractive because it invites others to come and play with you. It invites their own ideas. It invites their own thoughts on your idea. It helps you kind of crowdsource a number of people to shine a spotlight on your idea from all kinds of angles and perspectives. And you want that because you know what? As brilliant as you are, your ideas are not always going to be the best. And sometimes you will have blind spots to your ideas and they can always be improved, right? So you want to be known as somebody who's open to having her ideas challenged, to changing her mind, to seeing the merit of somebody else's ideas. And yeah, this is, uh, this is really, really helpful and will build you as an executive, build that you know, key skill as an executive really, really well. And it will also give you permission to um, speak up to speak up and to not take things personally, because now you recognize in your mind the distinction between task conflict and personality conflict. And personality conflict, just stay out of it. Stay out of it. Um, There's ways to, if you feel somebody's bringing in a personality conflict into the conversation, you're coming here wanting to have a task conflict conversation, and they're coming in on the other side, and they're totally ready for battle and defensive and super attached to their ideas and taking things personally, there are things that you can say to diffuse the situation and switch them over to task conflict, right? And that is asserting, there's a number of ways to go about it. One is asserting 
your respect for them as an individual, as a person, reminding them of the things they're good at and what you admire them for, right? You can say, hey, you're a very smart executive. Like, I know your judgment is really, really strong. And I know you're open to different ideas as well. So affirming that they are not their ideas, they're not their thoughts, and that you have a lot of respect for them as a person, their talents, their smart, their acumen, their, their, you know, generosity and their goodness as a person can really help kind of diffuse any kind of charge that they may be coming in with. So you're diffusing this, you're saying that, hey, look, you know, let's just, or you can proactively say, this is the second approach. You can proactively say, hey, let's not be attached. I'm not attached to my idea. And let's just debate on the level of ideas. Let's debate on the merits of this. Um, you and I, we get along really well and we respect each other. So let's have, let's have a really vigorous and dynamic idea debate. Are you aligned? Do you agree? So get the person to kind of agree to the rules of engagement that you're laying out. You're proactively saying that this is not, this is not a, you know, uh, whose idea is better and who's a smarter person, but this is a task debate. It's not a personality conflict. So you can do a lot, context setting, you know, diffusing, reaffirming your respect for another person and also distinguishing between, okay, let's just debate our ideas and let's let's draw the pros and cons of both. And really a lot of times, um, <laughs> it's another approach that I think it was Daniel Pink in one of his books about selling is human, I think it was called, talks about the effectiveness of you coming out. And I think he gives examples of early stage founders going to pitch to venture capital investors and uh, being upfront about the challenges and the problems that they still haven't solved in their startup. You have to judge a little bit, but if the person likes kind of taking things apart and highly analytical, it will help if you kind of lead with some of the problems and challenges that you've identified in your proposed solution or your idea. And then that kind of disarms them. That disarms a person who's kind of looking for the flaws. People are actually starting to say, no, well, you know, that's true. But then this other thing is is doing well, or you could overcome this, or this is not a problem at the end of the uh, day. So you can kind of invite conflict by yourself being critical and yourself kind of taking a critical lens on your ideas and solutions and leading with that, you know, for somebody who's very, very analytical, who's likely to want to take things apart and want to find the flaws in everything. And so you can have that that approach to kind of disarm them and and show that, hey, I don't have any ego attached to this. You can even say something along that line. Look, you know, let's just talk about what needs to happen. And I am more attached to finding a solution that works or having the most successful solution be applied than I'm attached to this being my idea or somebody else's idea. When you disattach, when you detach from your idea, it's both very disarming and very refreshing and very inspirational to people who work with you. Also very liberating to you as well as a person who is a person who doesn't have to defend herself at every juncture, doesn't have to take things personally. And, you know, your confidence is really going to benefit from that. Um, you're going to be, you're going to just like know that you're working with really smart individuals who are really 
who are really critical and who are really pushing your game to the next level, to kind of think at a higher level, to look at things more critically, rather than, oh my gosh, I'm working with a lot of really rude individuals who are out to get me, right? You see the the distinction. The first one is very empowering and helps you get excited, engage, level it up, you know, be kind of like a, a, you know, a very eager player, eager engager. And the second one is highly disempowering and is only going to cause you to like hide and sulk in the corner and lick your wounds that don't even have to be there if you're very clear on the distinction between task conflict and personality conflict. And, you know, it will also give you the permission to say no. I've been known to put some clients, uh, especially clients that have historically had huge problems saying no, I've been known to put them on a quota, a quota of maximum number of yeses that they can say to requests that are coming their way. And they start really getting creative when they run out of their quota of yeses. They start asking questions. Well, why do you need me to do this? Why now? Why not later? Why not someone else? Uh, Why is this important? Why does it need to get done now? When they ask those clarifying questions, what they've noticed is that most of the time, the person making the request has not asked those questions to themselves. And as a result, may not have thought through their request very well. And that's awesome because then certain ideas or certain requests get killed because they're not, you know, they haven't been examined yet. And when they get examined before much resources have been put into them, then if they're not, if they can't uh, kind of compete, if they don't up to the level of importance or to the level of urgency that something else has on your plate, then they can die or they can be shelved or put on the backlog. And that's totally perfectly fine. There needs to be a high level of discernment, a high level of kind of questioning of things that get done in tech. Because you know what? Shiny object syndrome is real in tech. And lots of people are going to kind of get excited about something. The founder, the CEO may get excited about something. And then tomorrow they may be on to the next shiny object. And so if you're jumping every time they say jump, you're going to exhaust yourself and you're going to be constantly jumping and you won't have time for anything else. So take it from me, from the experience of dozens of women and from my own experience, this is one of the most effective strategies you can employ in your career right now is to ask questions, ask why when requests come your way, and really, really distinguish between personality conflict and task conflict. And welcome, welcome and be really eager to engage in task conflict. So I hope, I hope you can implement this. If you're liking this type of work and you want to learn more and engage and really achieve great breakthroughs in your career, We've had clients who've negotiated huge increases in their compensation packages, more than $100,000, and uh, negotiated raises and have landed amazing new roles and have grown their visibility and effectiveness in their careers through our programs, through our three-month program, the Executive Accelerator, and our nine-month program, the Executive Development Program. 
And to kind of give you a free taste and have you start momentum, start growing your momentum and start seeing results, once a quarter, I run a VP challenge, product VP challenge. This is for mid-career women in tech who are in product, program management, or related fields, whether it's analytics or design or what have you. Just join us. It's live. It's interactive. It's a lot of fun. People have uh, made significant progress even in those five to seven days where we engage daily, daily in the five keys to career climbing. Um, So join us for the next one. Go to productvpchallenge.com and just register. It's free and I can't wait to see you. Uh, See you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe, send to a friend, leave a review and connect with me on social media. The best way to connect is to register for the next free Product VP Challenge at www.productvpchallenge.com. Until next time, keep climbing and keep enjoying the climb.